Well, good morning, and it's good to see all of you here today. Uh, he is greater than our fear. Amen? All right, we're starting out good. I'm encouraged. Okay. Uh, he is greater. God is greater than our fear. I listened to Pastor James's intro, and I want to say a special thank you to him for allowing me the privilege and the honor to stand in this pulpit and have the opportunity to, to communicate a message from the Lord that I believe he's given for us for today. Uh, I heard him say, you know, we're continuing in our series from the Gospel of Mark. And I thought, uh-oh, okay. Well, I'm not in the Gospel of Mark. I missed it by one. I'm in Matthew. So uh, if you want to go ahead and open your Bible or your app, to Matthew will be there. My slides begin with James chapter 2, and we'll talk about that. But I wanted to say thank you again to Pastor James. He is a dear friend and a brother I love very much and have huge respect for. Someone asked me at the break between the first service and this service, because I get to come here ever so often and worship Jesus with you folks, and they said, you know, how, how do you feel about Niceville? How, how's our church? I said, I feel great about it. If I didn't live in Crestview, I'd live in Niceville, and I would be a member here. But anyway, uh, I, I'm excited to see how God is growing you as a church, not just numerically, but spiritually, developing you as followers of Christ. And I'm glad to see James growing as well. I enjoy times that he and I get to meet together and uh, grow. I'm grateful for Justin and the worship team here. Aren't you grateful for Justin and the worship team here? Yeah, I think we ought to say thank you, Lord. You know, they lead us to worship Jesus. I was talking to a fellow this past week. Yes, I will get to the message, I promise. But one quick rabbit. I was talking to a fellow this past week about a minister of music because pastors call me from time to time and say, hey, you know, can you help me find a worship pastor or minister of music or whatever? And I said, well, now let's clarify. Are you looking for a minister of music or are you looking for a worship pastor? Because to me, it's two very different things. One, a minister of music's highly educated. He's got the training. He's going to emphasize skill musically and all this kind of thing. And that's very important. A worship pastor is a guy that loves Jesus and is worshiping him and invites others to join him in that worship. And it always feels like that's what we do here together as we gather for worship, just to worship the Lord with this great worship team. I'm grateful for all of them. And Dan, great word on deacons. Uh, you're praying about, uh, God, who should be a deacon in this church? And, uh, you know, deacons, uh, some people don't want to be one because they feel like they're targets. You know, uh, if, if your kids aren't perfect, if your marriage isn't perfect, if your home isn't perfect, if things aren't perfect, then I can't be a deacon. Well, then that disqualifies all of us, right? So, so don't understand that these qualifications are an expectation to perfection. It's a, it's a call from the Lord, as he said so clearly and so well, a call from the Lord to be a servant. If you have a heart to serve, being a deacon, a servant leader in your church is a wonderful privilege and honor. So I, I pray you'll continue to pray about those things. I'm hearing a lot in our, a lot of conversation these days in, in, in the places where I travel, and it's across the panhandle, uh, people experiencing anxiety, worry, and outright fear that's injuring their relationships, some within the family, and, and the routines of their life, some in their vocational work and this kind of thing. Uh, whether it's concerns over local, national, international matters, whether it's concerns over health matters, uh, whatever it is, our culture is being inundated, it seems, with fear. There's a real push 
it seems, and sometimes it even feels intentional, to make us more and more afraid. So to combat that kind of thinking, I want to begin with a question. And here's my question. It's not a complicated question, but it's a good one. Hopefully it'll engage you in our thoughts for today. Would you agree active, growing faith is very important to God? Just give me a head nod, thumbs up, amen, whatever you feel comfortable doing, all right? Yeah, but active, growing faith. Is it very important to God? Well, let's look and see what James says. And I know I told you Matthew, but we're going to look at this one passage of James to kind of frame our thinking, and then we'll move to Matthew, okay? In James 2, verses 14 to 17, here's what... Now, James, the half-brother of Jesus. (laughs) So imagine the pressure James lived under, right? Can't you just hear his mom? <laughs> Why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> I mean, Jesus never did anything wrong, right? And so James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? I got faith. Woo, I got faith. Hey, I got on my faith T-shirt today. Can you see me? I, I got faith. But he has no works. Question, he continues, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? I like the way James just speaks straight to us, doesn't he? He says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead. Can y'all read it up? It's not up there. Okay, that's why you weren't reading with me. Okay. Faith without works is dead. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? So, so active growing faith is very important to God. Do you agree? Amen is appropriate, but you can nod or just let me know you're alive. Okay, so amen. All right, I got one amen. Thank you over here. People who act upon their faith are expressing their love for and confidence in God. It's not, it's not I'm all that. I got faith and I'm acting on it. No, their confidence, their love is being expressed through their faith, through the action of their faith in God. So I have four statements that are biblically true and support this truth of active growing faith being very important to God and it's a deterrent for this culture of fear that we live in active growing faith let me say that again it might have slipped past you is a deterrent for this culture of fear that we live in the scriptures that these statements are drawn from can move you from where you are to the next step of faith and obedience to God So as we look at these stories from Scripture, I want you to listen for an answer to the question, how, how will acting on my faith strengthen my relationship with Jesus and help me combat this culture of fear that we live in today? Acting on your faith will change where and who you are. Statement number one, here we go. Those who believe Jesus is willing to do the impossible can experience the impossible. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. It says in verse 1, When he, Jesus, came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him. Now, time out right here in the scripture. 
You understand or remember perhaps the teaching about lepers in Jesus' day. They were so feared culturally that they had to live out of town. They, they, they couldn't live in Niceville. They were up on the reservation. They had a special place just for them, a leper colony, because their skin condition was highly contagious. And in his day and time, when you had leprosy, you, it wasn't bad enough that you had it and all the pain and all of that that goes with it. You had to announce it. <laughs> okay, are you with me? You tracking with me? Think about this. You had to say to people as you approached them with leprosy, unclean, unclean, warning them, back off from me. I've got leprosy, right? Could you see us doing that today? <laughs> Overeater, <laughs> overeater, <laughs> yeah. gossiper, online bully. <laughs> I mean, the humiliation of that, there's no way in our culture that's going to happen, right? <laughs> and yet here's this leper approaches Jesus with this great crowd following him, declaring unclean, I'm sure. And then it says, he came to him and knelt before him. He knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, look what he said. If you will, you can make me clean. Lord, I know people have told me, God, with God, all things are possible. But he's asking, if it's your will, you can change me. And, look what Je and Jesus stretched out his hand. Now, think about this. I don't know how long this guy had, had leprosy. But what would he probably want more than anything? You Not money. Not things. I told the earlier crowd, Becky and I, we served a church in Panama City for several years. And there was a young lady in, this, in that church that was sweet young lady, friend of Becky's and, and ours as well. But I mean, she just was a wonderful, you never married. She was up in her 30s, I think, or so. Sweet young lady. And every Sunday we'd see her, hey, Susan, hey, you know, she'd hug us and we'd hug her. And one Sunday she says to Becky, <laughs> I love y'all's hugs. Becky said, uh, yeah, we love yours too. I mean, that's kind of woo, odd statement. Yeah, we love yours too. She said, you know, some weeks, your hugs are the only human touch I'll get all week. She and I were just like, right? I mean, we hug, we hold hands. I mean, you know, we, I, are you kidding me? This leper came to Jesus and knelt before him and said, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus did the unimaginable culturally, reached out his hand and touched him. And he didn't just touch him. Look what, read on, it says, and he said to him, I will. It is my will for you to be clean. And the scripture reads on, and immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Almost everybody I know believes that God can do the impossible. Amen? Okay, y'all got to wake up. And, uh, somebody, they got a lights are too low or something, y'all. <laughs> I mean, most anybody you ask, people that don't even go to church, do you think God can do the impossible? And they'll say, sure, Absolutely. But there's a much smaller crowd, it seems like, even in the church, that believes he will. 
See, God allows life situations and opportunities for you and me to grow stronger in our faith and grow closer to him. When I wrote that statement, I thought, yeah, I remember teaching our daughters to drive. Talking about growing stronger in our faith and closer to him. Some days I thought I was going to see him that day. But really and truly, I mean, you, you train your kids to drive a vehicle. You know the dangers that are out there, right? You know the risks. I mean, here's this 16-year-old child, child, young adult, young person, trying to manage this big old vehicle of whatever kind it was, right? And, and, and at some point in your relationship with your child, you said to them, if they would listen to you and remember what you taught them, they'd experience a whole new level of travel way beyond bicycle riding, right? They, they would experience what to them for the first 15 years of their life seemed impossible. I'm going to get to drive. I'm going to actually like drive off by myself. You know, I mean, it was a big deal, Right? Look at, you've got your Bible open in Matthew 8. Look, go to chapter 7, same gospel, verse 9. Jesus had just taught about ask, seek, and knock, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, you know. And he says in verse 9, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? You're not going to give your son a stone if he asks for bread. Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? And then look at verse 11. If you then who are evil. Oh, now, wait a minute. Yeah, outside of Christ, we're pretty evil. Sometimes in Christ. Anyway, we're a work in progress. You who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if it's your will, would you do what seems to be the impossible? God always has his glory and your best interest at heart. Always. He alone knows the very best for you. And so my encouragement to you is Trust him. Trust him more. This whole sermon series idea, he is greater than our fear. You're either trusting him, God, Jesus, or you're trusting something else. I have a family member. We have a family member. One of the grandkids asked me, you know, one of those three-year-old why questions. You know, why are my eyes blue? You know, I mean, <laughs> and my response to my grandchild in deep sincerity was, because that's the way God made you. And this other family member said, oh, is that your pat answer for everything you can't answer? I said, yeah, pretty much. See, I'm just stupid enough that I believe Jesus can do anything or everything or whatever needs to be done. I trust him. I'm encouraging you, trust him. I'm not saying throw out science. I'm not saying throw out logic. I'm not saying any of those things. I am saying above all of those things, trust Jesus Christ. Second statement, <laughs> let me 
repeat my first. Those who believe Jesus is willing to do the impossible can experience the impossible. Second statement, those who yield to the authority of Jesus will experience his power in their lives. I mentioned our daughters already. One of them said to us not long ago, with all the junk going on with just different things, they're homeschoolers and there's, you know, we're going to have class. No, we're not going to have class. We're having masks. We're not going to, you know, all this, all this stuff. And finally, in just a moment of weakness, she says, I just don't think I can do this. And me and her mom are both saying, amen. <laughs> you ever felt that way? I just don't think I can do all this. All these expectations, all these things that everybody in culture is putting pressure on us about. And I said to her in all my fatherly wisdom, well, that's a good place for you to be. <laughs> Which she didn't appreciate at all. What do you mean by that? Well, when we get to the end of us, when we get to the end of our strength, our ability, our logic, our wisdom, our money, our whatever... We get to the end of that, we're reminded, Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, to Jesus. He has all authority over any circumstance or situation in life. The question for you and me is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe he has all authority because the challenges or crises of our lives may catch us by surprise but they don't catch God by surprise and they're not greater than he can handle through us he has all authority but you said there was a scripture that supports this yes there is let's go back to Matthew chapter 8 look at verse 5 when he Jesus entered Capernaum a centurion came forward to him appealing to him now this is, a, this is a Roman soldier. This is a guy that's persecuting these Jews that Jesus is one of. He says, <clears throat> uh, he came to appeal to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and suffering terribly. And he said to him, Jesus says to this centurion, the centurion, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering and Jesus says to him, well, too bad to be a Roman. Sorry, can't help you. I'm here for the Jews. No, what does he say? Look at it. In the text, he says, I will come and heal him. What? Yeah, I will come and heal him. And then, look at this, verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only, look at this. Look what he says. Only say the word. Just Jesus, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. He doesn't say, and there's a good chance my servant will be healed, or there's a strong possibility my servant. He says, say the word, and my servant will be healed. And then he explains where, how he came to this conclusion, verse 9. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. In verse 10, Jesus marvels. There's not, I think, two other places in Scripture where Jesus marveled at anything. And this third one is here at this faith of this centurion. He says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west from recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be all kinds. That's good news for me and you, by the way, if you missed that in that little passing verse 11 there. That means all kinds of people are going to be in heaven. 
what? Yeah, not just Baptist. There's going to be all kinds of people in heaven. <laughs> I know it's a shock to some of you. Just hang in there. Stay with us, okay? Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of people in heaven. And some of them are going to look like you, and some of them are going to look way better than you <laughs> and me. And I mean, it, it, it's all kinds of people, right? East and west, reclined at table, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom, the people of Israel, those who did not understand him to be Messiah will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why would they weep? It's a horrible place of torment. Well, I don't know if there's really a heaven or really a hell. I've never been to either one of them. Sometimes it's been really rough, but I don't... Wait a minute now. If, you, if this is the word of God, he just told you there's a kingdom of heaven and a place of darkness... It's a direct reference to hell and the weeping and gnashing of teeth it takes. And by the way, that wasn't created for you. <laughs> Next time somebody tells you to go there, you tell them, no, it wasn't created for me. No, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I'm not going there, no. And, and so he continues on and says, and to the centurion in verse 13, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you've paid me. No, what does it say? Let it be done for you as you've worked it out. No, what does he say? Let it be done for you as you have believed. Believed. Oh, that's too easy. No, it can't just be you believe it and it happens. That just, that's too easy. Do you know I literally had a man sit in my office on church staff when I was on church staff and say to me one time when I shared the gospel with him how he could begin a journey of faith following Jesus, walking with him each day, he said to me, so wait, 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 let me get this straight. So all of my sins of the past, everything I've done wrong, and I've done a lot of wrong, I said, I understand. All of that, Jesus will forgive if I just ask him to forgive me. I said, you got it. That's exactly right. That's too easy. I'm not making the words up. That was his words to me. That's too easy. I said, oh, okay. So if I'd have told you, you got to go out here in the parking lot and do 50 jumping jacks, 62 crunches or what, you know what? Then maybe it would have been acceptable. But because it's by grace, his grace, through faith, his faith alive in us, that we are saved, <laughs> that's too easy? Friends, let me just say to you, that's how much Jesus loves you. We sang about the blood of Christ that covers our sins. He paid the penalty we owed for our sins and then made the way possible for us to know him. Woo! Somebody should have shouted there. Let me move on. I think they're shouting online. I believe I heard them anyway. <clears throat> See, our faith in God has got to be exercised before the power of God is experienced. And I go back to verse 13 where Jesus said to him, go and it'll sh it shall be done for you as you have believed. His, the centurion's belief expressed his action and demonstrated his faith in Jesus' authority. Most of us say to God, I tell you what, God, you show me and I'll do it. And God says, you do it and I'll show you. Right? In fact, what we would really rather God do is just fix it. God, you know, oh, so many people need you, God. Save them, God. Oh, they need you. Don't want you just save them. And he could, couldn't he? Hello? Yeah, he could. <laughs> he could. But instead, he said, hey, Lewis, I want you to be a part of that. 
I want you to plant a seed. I want you to water that seed. I want you to be the mouthpiece that shows and demonstrates love to your neighbor. I told the earlier crowd, I said, you want to you know how to get in the home of that cantankerous neighbor over there? Two words. You might want to write these down. Here it is. Hot cookies. <laughs> I'm serious. That'll open any door of any ugly, mean-spirited. I was just thinking about you made some hot cookies. Thought I'd bring them over. You want to try one? Why would you do that? Well, I just thought I'd share with you how much Jesus loves you. I don't know about Jesus, but I like hot cookies. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, my goodness. At least attempt something. Plant a seed. Put some water on it. Fertilize it. Encourage that relationship so that at some point, finally, that mean old neighbor says, Hey, y'all got any more of them cookies? Right? Now you got an open door. Now you got a relationship started. If we believe the Word of God is true, we've got to learn how to trust and apply this Word in our lives every day. Oh, and by the way, you can neither trust nor apply what you do not know. <laughs> yeah, but you don't understand. I'm real busy. I'm a busy man. I'm important. I work out the base out there. I'm real busy. Okay, I got it. You're busy. Most people in here are, I think. <laughs> Those that aren't are about to be, probably. <laughs> But the good news is there's an app for that, right? I ain't much of a reader, preacher. I don't read. Okay, put the app on your phone. It's you version. James mentioned it. You can take notes on it. <laughs> and let the British guy read it to you, right? And the Lord saith unto you, put it on your dashboard, go into work in your busy life, and get the word in you. Doesn't matter how it gets in you, get it in you. So that when you start trying to live it out, there's a foundation laid there of God's Word in your heart that you can apply. And listen, in case anybody tells you, oh, yeah, I got this down, they'll lie about other stuff. And none of us got it all down. And none of us do everything right. But we are pursuing, growing, walking by faith. This centurion, he, I doubt he knew the Word of God, but he did understand authority. He did understand authority, and he acted upon what he knew. Most of us know something of the word God says, but somehow we doubt that Jesus still has the authority to do in our lives what he did in the lives of these people in this book. I don't understand that, especially in his church. Those who believe Jesus is willing to do the impossible can experience the impossible. Those who understand the authority of Jesus will experience his power in their lives. Number three, those who persist and act upon their faith will be rewarded in the end. Uh, we're going to stay in Matthew's gospel, but uh, let's look down at uh, chapter 9, verse 20. Have you noticed how life's a marathon, not a sprint? <laughs> Is it just me? or It seems like it's, it's continuing on. And, and, and so we're to be growing in our faith day by day, year by year, acting upon that faith when the challenges and opportunities of life are before us. Here in, in Matthew 9 and verse 20, we read of this woman with a, her, uh, a hemorrhage. Uh, let me get my Bible there. Here we go. Verse 20, and behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And then notice verse 21, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And there in verse 22, Jesus turned and seeing her, 
said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. There's three quick lessons I want us to grab from this story about this woman. I just think they're helpful for us if we will consider them. Number one, she had been struggling for how long? 12 years, 12 years with this health condition. Let me just remind us, the challenges of this life don't always receive a quick fix. Can I get an amen to that? Right? Sometimes the challenges in our life, Paul said, I prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to be removed. And what did God say to him? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Right? In other words, I'm not taking the thorn away from you. You're going to learn to trust me with it. Sometimes those challenges of life are marathon in length. So what's our encouragement, Lewis? The encouragement is this. Persist in your faith. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep on keeping the faith. The second thing I'd like you to see in this lady, she had faith in the right source for her help. <laughs> she, she didn't read a self-help book on how to overcome hemorrhages. <laughs> You know, she didn't listen to the podcast, you know, how to gain your health in six easy steps, you know, listen on this week's podcast. No, it, it, it just, no, she went to the right source for the help she needed. She went to the one who was willing, the one who had the authority to meet her need. In verse 21, where it says she was saying to herself, literally, internally, she was saying, if I could just get to, if I could just get to Messiah, if I could just touch his robe, right? <laughs> And they say people who are highly intelligent talk to themselves. <laughs> this woman must have been highly intelligent. She was literally saying to herself. Of course, now they say <laughs> people who answer themselves are crazy. So just be careful about that. <laughs> but, but, but the point being, here she was saying, if I could, she, she had internalized faith. Her faith was really deep internally. And now what was she trying to do? Externalize it. Take action. Touch the hem of his garment. Trust him for the healing she needed for 12 years. And she did it believing. <laughs> Which raised a question in my mind at least. Would you describe your faith in Jesus as internalized or ex externalized? Because see, I, I think we must be externalizing our faith daily. We must be letting it show, let it be seen. You know, in... in what ways would you say is God challenging you to externalize your faith that you've had for so many years? Because I know some people in this church who would tell me, I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> I've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years. I'm old. I'm old, old. 50 years. And I'm still learning how to externalize my faith every day. Talk to people about the Lord. Share my faith. Live sent. A third thing I'd like for you to see in this lady's uh, example here, she was rewarded for acting on her faith there in verse 22. He says, take, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And acting on her persistent externalized faith was rewarded. Don't give up. On Tuesday of the last week of his life here on earth, Jesus was encouraging his disciples because he knew that persecution was ahead for them. Y'all, when, when I thought about that I, all that we've been through recently as a nation I saw some emails and different things that y'all have seen about the church in Afghanistan 
And the ones I read said the church in Afghanistan has decided they're going to gather. They're going to worship. And they're ready to die. And I saw another tweet that came out. The church in America is trying to decide if we're going to wear a mask or not. I don't know. It just struck me. Do you see a difference in the two? I mean, <laughs> it raised the question for me, may not for you. Would I be here today if I thought being here might cause me to have to die? For the gospel? <laughs> That'll test your faith, won't it? Brother, we got to go. <laughs> we can't stay. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to ask us to really think about our faith because Jesus said to his disciples that he knew were going to be persecuted in Mark 13, 13, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Oh, there's an uplifting word. Hey, guys, gather around. I got a word for you. You're going to be hated by everybody because you associate with me. Wow. But notice he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, but to the one who endures to the end... He will be saved. Be faithful to the end. Finish strong. Keep the faith. Don't give up. Persist in your active faith and you'll be rewarded. Those who believe Jesus is willing to do the impossible can experience the impossible. Those who understand the authority of Jesus experience his power in their lives. Those who persist and act upon their faith will be rewarded in the end. Last statement. Those who come to Jesus... Or, I thought about this uh, earlier, those who are brought to Jesus will have their greatest needs met first. Go back to the beginning of chapter 9. and Look at this. It says, And getting into a boat, he, Jesus, crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. The people that brought him, the paralyzed man, to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And there were some Baptists in the room. I mean, just read on here. It says, And, and, and there were, behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Which is easier? <laughs> but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And the paralytic made a bunch of excuses. No, what does it say? And it says, he rose and went home. <laughs> When the crowd saw it, they were afraid. They glorified God who had given such authority to men. What's the takeaway for us from this story, Lewis? Here it is in a pretty simple sentence. Jesus loves us too much to leave us the way he finds us. That's for all of us. Healthy, stable-minded, whatever. Dead in our trespasses and sins. He loves you too much to leave you dead in your trespasses and sins. His love will transform you. It will change you. It will help you become a person of faith, active, growing faith. He knows better than we do the needs of our lives, just like he knew the greatest need of this paralyzed man. And he met this paralyzed man's greatest need first when he says there in verse 2, Take heart, my son. 
your sins are forgiven. He knew that if this man died a paralyzed man, he would have still spent his eternity separated from God in that place we talked about earlier. And he did not want that for him. And he does not want that for you today. He doesn't want you to spend an eternity separated from him. See, Jesus loved him too much to allow that to happen. And by the way, he sent me here today to tell you that. If you don't hear anything else I say, he loves you that much. He does not want you to spend eternity apart from him. I know there's habits, there's temptations, physical conditions, all kinds of challenges in your life. But I want you to hear this. You need a relationship with Jesus more than anything else in your life, more than that career advance, more than that money, more than that new house, more than that new toy, whatever it is, you need a relationship with Jesus more than any of those things. That would have been a good amen spot. See, the physical healing of this man was just a demonstration of Jesus' authority to those who were questioning him. That's all that was. And I know oftentimes we ask, why does Jesus heal some and not others? And I don't know that I have necessarily a specific answer for that except to say, God knows what's best for each person's life. I had a dear friend. He and his wife and their three kids were headed to church one Sunday. Man ran through a stop sign, speeding, inebriated, rolled their van so many times. And his five-year-old daughter went from this life, headed to church to be baptized, into eternity. You explain that. I can't explain that. All I know is God knows best. I'd love to tell you the rest of that story because it's amazing the glory, the glory got through that little five-year-old's life, uh, even in her sudden death. I know this. Here's what I do know, and I'll conclude with this. Jesus is willing, he has the ability and the authority to forgive your sins. He'll do it. He'll bring you into a right relationship with holy God because he wants to meet your greatest need first here today. We've looked at four stories about acting on our faith. The leper trusted Jesus' willingness. By the way, he's still willing. Jesus, still willing. The centurion appealed to Jesus' authority. And by the way, Jesus still has all authority. The woman who persisted and acted upon her faith, she was rewarded in the end. You persist and act upon your faith, and you will be rewarded in the end. This paralyzed man's friends brought him to Jesus with many needs, and he met them in priority order. My question is, will you come to Jesus with whatever your needs are. I can't meet your needs. He can. And not only can he, he will. And not only will he, he has the authority to do so. Would you stand with me? And let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Your word does not return void. It accomplishes everything you've set it apart to do. So our prayer today, Lord, is, is there one here far from you is there one here who does not know you is not walking in a personal relationship with you and today they've realized i need a savior i am dead in my trespasses and sins i sense it even in my own heart my own life 
the Holy Spirit has awakened me to that reality. And Lord, today, I admit it for the first time to myself and to you. I'm broken. I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. And Jesus, I've just heard that you're willing, you have the authority to forgive and make new. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Guide me every step forward. Be the boss of my life. And Lord, whether it's someone online who's viewing this and today has decided, I want to know more about following Jesus. Help them to respond to that text number there on the screen. To just say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody further about what it means to follow Jesus with active, growing faith. Lord, maybe there's one in this room, maybe up in the balcony or down here, whichever. Would you lead them today to step out, come to one of the pastors here, to myself, and let's just pray and talk a little further about what it means to follow Jesus. You have your way, Lord, in our hearts and lives. We're going to sing a song of praise, adoration to who you are, Jesus, because it's in you we trust in your name.